living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game. This here is my life. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Put the cameras on me, yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. Live from Koreatown. It is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller, here with my brother, Terry, a.k.a. the Icons with a Z or a Z, as they say across the pond. And it's time to talk sports, but also a little bit of culture and life. Uh, how you feeling today? Feeling pretty jazzy. I really have no complaints. Wow. Good. Well, we got a lot to cover. Want to talk about the fights that took place this last weekend. Want to talk about Major League Baseball, of course. Want to talk about the NBA and uh the conference finals that are going down on both sides and all the blowouts. But I want to start with something else in the NFL. Um, I want to start with the domestic abuse charges against Reuben Foster. Wow, you came out of I'm not surprised about that yeah, one, huh? Yeah. Well, and, and because, follow me on this one, to me, this, this follows a very disturbing trend in society of problems that – people of color are having with authority and then in turn, unfortunately, internally uh, in their private lives that blend and bleed into their professional and public lives. Ruben Foster is a rookie um, for the 49ers and he got charged. It's been all over the news that he got charged with beating up his girl and beating her up bad. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend's name is Alyssa Ennis. And uh, she brought these charges. She had photos taken. She said that he choked her and dragged her around and X, Y, and Z and so on and so forth. It's ruined this young man's uh, career, I think, before the career has even really started. And now you come to find, and she finally came clean in court and said she was lying. She admitted to lying, to bank fraud, to robbery, and to extortion. And basically, she said that I was mad because we were about to break up and uh, I wanted to get paid. And the reason that the way I felt like I could do this, I never expected it to get this big and I never expected it to to ruin his career like this. And now I just feel too bad. And so I lied about the whole scenario. And the reason I bring it up is because this portion of it isn't getting covered nearly as much as the portion when he got as defaming him as defaming him. And uh, and I, I think it's just it's it's pretty amazing that she's admitted and she admitted that she's not under duress. She's not doing this because he paid her. She's not doing this because anybody's paying her. She just has a guilty conscience. She at this has point. a guilty conscience that is making her her conscience is telling her, hey, you know what? Uh, this is too much. We got to we got to get this out. And now they're talking about there still may be punishment from the NFL. How can they punish something that didn't really actually happen? And, you know, and it's another black eye, uh, unfortunate pun there, that for the league. And uh, the NFL right now is not getting things right. The NFL, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the NFL is on the verge of going out of business. That's that's pretty big. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, I know I understand it's a big statement because of the crazy numbers they do and whatnot. But I actually think things are a bit more fickle than they may appear because when you go into the next piece about the NFL, which is this NFL anthem rule, everybody's talking about it. Um, the NFL put out a rule yesterday that said all players have to stand for the national anthem or they will be fined. Um, they did not uh, uh, speak to the to the players association about this rule. Was not an agreement. This was a mandate that sent out, and the backlash has been swift. 
I don't anticipate any less amount of players kneeling. If anything, there could probably be more players kneeling because of this now. And there's talking about guys going into the into the tunnel and into the locker room and kneeling instead of coming out for the actual national anthem. Now, do they think that the television cameras won't cover them if they're kneeling in the tunnel? No, I just think that they're, that's, that was part of their option was that you don't have to actually be on the field. And it's unfortunate because this false narrative that the president has put out there. And he's created and yeah. people have ran with it. And people have completely taken that to the... That it is about disrespect yes. for the flag. When the actual issue is about social injustice, for which the league is 70 or 80% white, uh, black, sorry, and people of color... And the league is actually finally, the players in the league are actually trying to make a statement to society about what it is that's messed up. Right, just bringing awareness to it. And and basically you're saying that you don't want to see it or hear about it. Just the cause has been hijacked. Yes. And, 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 and it started with Bozo at the top uh, at, at the, the White House who decided to hijack this issue and make it about something that it is not. And he continued bumping his gums today when the NFL actually had to backtrack and they they made an amendment to their rule because they didn't, you know. Now, what's the amendment? Uh, now, the amendment, I'm not 100% sure. Let's look up what the amendment is. Uh, but what I can tell you is what Bozo said this morning, and he said that uh, – you have to stand proudly for the national anthem, and the NFL owners did the right thing. If that's what they've done, uh, you know what the players need to stand, and and they, it's not acceptable for them to go in the locker room or anything else. They maybe they shouldn't even be in this country if that's what they if that's what they think. I don't think people staying in the locker room uh, should even should potentially even be in the country if they don't want to stand. Now that's what the new announcement uh, was about. Was that the policy gave the players the option to remain in the locker room during the playing of the anthem if they don't wish to comply. And uh, it's a terrible situation. That's going to hurt the NFL as well because that means that the players aren't on the field. They're not out signing autographs. They're not out mingling with the fans. And for some reason, we want to act like these players aren't a part of the United States. And they are citizens. Yeah. Whose ancestors and families actually built this country. So you can't act like that they don't have rights or opinions or anything. Yeah. And and they're not. It's it's just a very. It's a the scenario is completely botched. They need a crisis management person, and it doesn't seem like they've reached out to one because this is a crisis. And this is why I say that they could potentially go out of business because you have a bunch of blowhards who actually refuse to to see what the protest is about. That it's not about disrespecting the flag of the military or the country. Right. That it's about raising awareness. They've bought into the false narrative. I think there's a large number of those people who also voted for for Cheeto. And then you have the other side, which is uh, now I've been reading up and down my Twitter timeline a bunch of people of color who just want to boycott the NFL completely now. So now you're talking about boycotts on both sides. This is going to hurt the bottom line eventually. Right. And and it's already hurt them last season. The ratings were down and, and whatnot. This is going to hurt them in a different way if the base doesn't have someone to cheer for and the caliber of their product at this point as well, because what they're saying, what they tried to play it last year is that the Kaepernick, the whole Kaepernick thing hurt the hurt the league. And when, once they did, had done a survey, they found out that that wasn't the the problem. Exactly. You know, so exactly. it's, it's just skewed completely right now. It's totally segregated. Yeah. It's a polarizing issue. It's totally segregated. You're either down with the player's right to kneel or you're, you think they should be kicked out of the country and they, they shouldn't be doing this at all. And they always show little Timmy, Dad, why aren't these guys not kneeling? Yeah, they love that. Yeah, and, well, son, 
they're not you know they don't want to respect the flag and that's not true don't. and that but this is a lie that's being perpetrated yeah, that's and, and it's being perpetuated all over society and people are buying into it now what i think is uh needs to be brought up and i've read a couple of interesting twitter takes which is so what else needs to happen during the national anthem since it is completely sacred should we stop selling concessions because they're definitely selling beer and popcorn right. and hot dogs during the national anthem it's not required for the for the for the people who go to stand up. It's not required. You you have the option. Um, also, should they turn the cameras off? It, it, should should everything be focused solely on the flag? The part that that the take is real uh, that just shows the hypocrisy of the scenario is. I can, I watched a video the other day of Roseanne Barr when she grabbed her crotch and spit, spit and, and the whole completely disrespected the song, which I actually found offensive at the time. And uh, and it is it, this is this isn't what people are saying, you know. It, it's it's a it's amazing to me. It's just amazing. It's unfortunate. Yeah, because they actually have a right. They have a, a potential to come out on the right side. And I'm not even just saying that the right side is the side that I'm supporting with the kneeling. I'm saying they have the potential to come out and and actually move the culture forward and move America forward and find a way to unify instead of divide. But this isn't that. This is a bunch of uh, non-colored, non-ethnic right. people who got together to make a decision about people that supposedly they own, <laughs> which is what it kind of comes down to. Well, what I'm reading right now is they're saying that the owners actually didn't vote on it. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm on score, the score, and it says that the NFL didn't hold official vote for anthem policy. Really? So that's basically. Now I know they didn't hit the 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 you know the players' association. No, and they actually, I from what I'm gathering is that they just had done a small survey to see basically maybe how the owners might vote, and then they took that and ran with it. Wow. The NFL didn't hold an official vote among team owners regarding the new national anthem policy. Instead, league executives polled owners to see how they'd vote. Sources who were uh, who were present during the discussions Wednesday told ESPN. Wow. This is just wow. So that means somebody, meaning probably Roger Goodell, just made an executive call or what? It seemed like it. It seemed like it. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, the actor on Westworld, had a great take. He said, if the NFL thing was about the flag and the anthem, you'd be outraged when Trump doesn't hold a hand over his heart and botches the words. If it was about troops, you'd be pissed about Niger as as, as pissed about Niger as you are about Benghazi. It's not principle. It's about control of brown bodies. Stop the bullshit. This is uh, this is a real. This is this is. Trust me on this one, man. This is going to be real. And they messed up by not handling this in the off season, right? Because the way that they're handling this, they're really botching the situation. Nothing is smooth about this. And what you're doing is, is you're you're pitting. They're they're creating a battleground. Instead of focusing the game on the game or focusing on a message to f- try to find a, a, a unified solution, and they're banking on the you know the fans basically saying that you know what, and this false narrative that if we can get everybody on the the side of the false narrative that we can get these players under control because they don't want to lose that big paycheck or whatever. And then, exactly, uh huh. And it's got to it's going to come down to these guys saying somebody's going to have to take a stand. Somebody's, somebody's going to somebody's gonna have to take, take a loss. Somebody's going to take a loss. Somebody's going to take a loss. Somebody gonna take and a nobody likes taking a loss. But no. in the if it's the players, short term they'll take a loss. Long term they'll come out the victors. It will It'll be a Kurt Flood situation, mm-hmm. but who knows? Because there's 
it's very difficult to say that if you're the rookie coming in. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to say that if you're sitting on seven, eight figures. Um, but this is a this is a tense, tough situation. I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out in society because right. football is going to lose Sundays, and hopefully people go back to church. <laughs> Who knows what will end up happening? But hopefully they go back. We to definitely church. need that. And now the irony of this whole scenario is, is is shifting gears and moving into another sport is. The players are protesting about something that actually happened to an NBA star. Have you seen this video with Sterling Brown for the Milwaukee Bucks? Yes, it's very disturbing. If anybody hasn't seen it, go check it out. There's a video of a player, a 6'6", 230-pound guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. His name is Sterling Brown. And he was detained uh, by Milwaukee police for supposedly parking, double parking in a handicap. Uh, parking space, and the situation escalated very quickly, and there's body cam footage that was released. To the credit of the Milwaukee Police Department, they released the body cam footage, and the public and has And the made, credit of the police chief. Uh, that's where I was going next, but 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 the, the, the public has made their stance on it, and what ends up happening is they end up tasing this young man. For it, basically nothing. For, for nothing. For a uh, uh, traffic infraction, and if anything. If anything. And this is the part, you see these videos on, on social media nonstop about people of color being harassed when they drive on the street, when they're just alive, when they're being uh, right. <laughs> alive while black, an AWB, <laughs> right. uh, or black or brown. And the complex of so many of these police officers is one of power and control and not of actually law enforcement or... You're, they're or, supposed or, to be there policing. to serve the people. They're not. There's not. They're not serving and protecting anyone. They're, this is looking for this as your situation, as your solution. Shows that you're not interested in serving or protecting. You're interested in being in control. That's what you're. That's what it's about. And, and one of the major problems is with this situation, which we've seen in the past, is that all of these police officers who are sworn to uphold the law, uh, making these false police reports. And then there's no like the lady in yeah. Oakland who called the 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 exactly the police on the the black people having a barbecue at the lake. Right. So you do this, and you're held the at a higher uh huh. You're held at a higher standard, and now there's really no consequences or repercussions for you doing that. You should you should actually have to go to jail since you're so high on false reports. Yeah, since since you're so high on putting people in jail, put them in jail for filing all these false reports. We see the video footage, and it's not what you put down on paper. This is the same scenario that you can argue. Yeah, you're right. The same scenario. That's why I wanted to kick off with Reuben Foster. There's no consequence for his girl. She's not being prosecuted or anything. She just lied about this. And that sticks with him forever. That's going to stick with him forever. Because and, they wanted to, to cover the salacious side of things instead of because now they can cover the truth and they don't want it. Yeah. And now on the, on the, the, the pro side of the ownership side of the organizational issue – the Jets owners come out. He was the first one to come out and say, I don't care how much my guys get fined. I'll pay the fines. I got that. Hello. I can cover that. And that is very New York of him. I, that, was, that was great to read. And now let the, I'll read to you guys the statement that the Bucks put out. The abuse and intimidation that Sterling experienced at the hands of the Milwaukee police was shameful and inexcusable. Sterling has our full support as he shares his story and takes action to provide accountability. Unfortunately, this isn't an isolated case. It shouldn't require an incident involving a professional athlete to draw attention to the fact that the vulnerable people in our communities have experienced similar and even worse treatment. We are grateful for the service of many good police officers that courageously protect us, our fans, and our city, but racial biases and abuses of power must not be ignored. There needs to be more accountability. 
The Milwaukee Police Department and local officials have acknowledged the challenges they're working to address, and we urge them to enact higher standards and more direct accountability. We all want to be able to trust each other and every officer serving to protect us. Incidents like this remind us of the injustices that persist. As an organization, we will support Sterling and build on our work with local leaders and organizations to foster safe neighborhoods and better our community. It's great work by the Bucks. Great work. Great statement, great work. And the, the irony that on the day that the body cam footage was released that the NFL put out this very ineffective anthem policy is just unreal. If you saw it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. You'd say it's too convenient. That's what they would tell us, guys. Um, and This is 2018. It's 2018. <laughs> it's 1950 is what we're looking at. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just wild. It's wild that this is the world that we're living in, that a, that a, that a lawyer barks and complains and threatens ICE, threatens a call to immigration for hearing Spanish spoken at a restaurant that he frequents. While, while working through the hypocrisy of having si habla espanol on his door as a lawyer. This is, this is a hypocrisy in general that America is going to have to confront until it gets solved. We haven't been able to solve it in 400 years, but well, now we're finally starting to confront the situation. Right, and I think that public shaming helps out a lot. I think so too, and I give, I give credit to a lot of these social media activists online and in real life who do exactly that. Right. Because this Sean King character is one of the individuals who got it popping against this, uh, the lawyer, the Slosberg mm-hmm. guy. And, you know, as well as these officers that keep acting up. I also want to give kudos to the police chief out there in Milwaukee Milwaukee, because he came out and owned it. Yeah. Which was a surprise to me because normally in this situation, nobody wants to ever own anything. Right. And why is it that we have to have something like this almost every single day? I mean. Well, this just goes to show you how long this has been going on. Yeah. And and how outward that every feels everybody feels like that they can be now with it no doubt about it just the other day what was that near the canadian border uh the the guy pulled up what was an ice agent yeah he just heard he heard two two people speaking spanish and he decided that it was time to to, pull their car yeah yeah who do you think you are well this is the thing they're the judge and the jury if you ever feel like you can just threaten to call the police or the authorities that basically means you feel as though the system and them, in essence, are working for you. Right. They are the squad that's working for you. I'm empowered, and you're not, because I said so, because of the way that I interpret these scenarios. And the law. And so now you're in trouble if I pick up my phone and make the call on you. You know, I, and, and this is the Anne Frank Center put out a statement the other day that says America in 2018 has a strange resemblance to Germany in, uh, before World War II. Which is a heavy statement. Heavy. That's a, that's a and unfortunately, you know, seemingly accurate. Unfortunately, accurate. Now, if we move on to actual play, uh, LeBron James actually looked tired yesterday, as I predicted. He's a human. Imagine he's and, not a and, machine. And how about this? He gave us twenty six, ten, and five, it's and enough. everybody's acting like he Man, did he something had a terrible wrong. game. <laughs> Man, this guy sucks. <laughs> when did he get in the league? It's unbelievable. This right? is how good this guy is. Is that 26, 10, and 5 is now considered a bad off night. These were numbers before that would lead the league. Right. He would lead the league. But now we're looking for that, that monster 45, 45 point game every night. 45, 12, 17. That like yeah. crazy game seven stats hey man, every the night. The guy needs some help. He needs some help. And I, my thing is, is, you know, the series is now 3 2 Boston. I just want to know 
Why in the hell does home and away make that much difference other than you being weak-minded? I don't believe that. I, you said that the other day when we were watching the game, but one of the things I believe is that it really has something to do with the energy. Of course. There's a lot of energy against you, but then there's the, the stronger-minded players like you see. I mean, LeBron still put up 26-10-5, tired, <laughs> like and on him. the road. Yeah. Derek Jeter talked about it all the time. He loved it when he would go places and they would boo. The only places that they don't boo is when you're at home in Yankee Stadium, but that was fire for him. Right. Kobe Bryant talked about it. Michael Jordan talked about it. Because you can take that negativity and convert it into something that's positive and use that to win games. But most of these guys, maybe it is. Maybe it is them being weak-minded. But most of these guys don't seem like they can block the stands out and perform. Or use the stands. Or use the stands. Yeah. I mean, but you really what does need that got to, to do with you hitting open jumpers? This that's is what, what I'm saying. You're that fragile. Why, so that, why aren't you focused? I feel like that, that, that's, this is what I'm saying. That's I don't all believe, the mental issue I'm talking about. Yeah, but I don't believe that it's fragility as far as the mentality. I believe that it's you not being prepared to play. Because no, you're, you're prepared. If, you're, if you that. are in game five of the NBA conference finals, guess what? You've shot enough open jumpers in your life so that an open jumper, whether you are shooting it in Beirut or in Boston, it's supposed to be wet. Seven out of ten times. An open jumper. And these guys are getting open jumpers. This I mean, is what I'm saying. The the dimensions in I just, the dimensions just, of the field don't change. It's not like in football where, okay, well, we're playing in Green Bay. It's actually negative four out here, and there's right. a reason though I, I'm struggling. You know, there's, they, they have an advantage. Oh, we're in Denver. We're, there's an altitude difference. We're, in, we're playing in Boston and Fenway. The, the wall is shaped different. That, that kind of messes up my – I didn't know where I was on the field. No, in the NBA, the playing conditions <laughs> are always ideal. I just feel like I don't feel like it's a, a mental weakness. I feel like it's a not be, it's a not being prepared weakness more so than anything. I feel like it's a conditioning problem because if LeBron's tired, then obviously those other dudes are tired. But being tired makes you not mentally there. Yeah, you're not as sharp. And this yeah. is what we saw, especially when we went to go see the Navy SEALs workout. Right, and that's why they you know stress being prepared, being in in good shape, so that you can work even when you're when you're fatigued. Right, the, your muscle memory will kick in, and you'll be able to still execute. But honestly, you know what? A lot of these guys aren't taking it as serious as LeBron. They're probably still having good times. You know, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I, I can't just assume that. I have to assume it because they're not performing. Well, but see, but they're not performing because they never actually had time to bond as a team. To me, I think that what you're seeing is is you're actually just seeing. The incredible ability of one dude to will a bunch of really good players. They're not great players per se. I don't think it's a bunch of really good players. There's a, there's a hand. But if you look at their individual numbers, Jordan Clarkson used to light it up in L.A. Jordan Clarkson is a good player, and so is Larry, Larry Nance Jr. And so was Rodney Hood. So this is what I'm saying. Rodney Kevin, Hood showed Kevin me, but, Love, but, but Rodney Hood showed you that he wasn't there though recently. But what I'm trying to tell you is, if you look at these people individually, if yeah, you the look numbers at their numbers, uh-huh. they actually are really good players. But they're a collection of really good players that aren't working as a team. Right. Every blue moon they work as a team and then you see a game you're like whoa the Cavs could be serious but it's not my, my my question for you is do the Cavs still make it to the finals you know what if down they, three two yeah. coming back home coming back home I feel like if you can go to game seven that they'll win it because LeBron James would will his team to win and I don't think that this, and then they get swept by either the Rockets or the yeah, or the Golden State Warriors I, I don't believe in the Rockets I don't believe I just feel like that he's the middle it's Bigfoot out there the Rockets <laughs> are not going to the finals they won the other game. The cat, um, uh, Golden State made a couple of mistakes the other night, but you—that's very, very rare. Well, see, but it's not rare in the sense that well, they so, were so being cute with the ball. Yes, and this is what I was about to say. But let's stay where we are. We'll go right to that. Do you think they go or not? They're going. They're I going. mean, I okay. think they're, they're going to go because I don't think that Boston's going to be able to close them out. Boston is terrible on the road, and I can take—I would take LeBron James over winning on the road than I would Boston winning on the road. Got it. 
but Boston hasn't lost at home. So there's, there's and Boston that. really hasn't won on the road. They haven't done either. And right, so so here's the so then we go to the West Coast West side, and we go West West, and uh, the Houston Rockets looked like they were just going to completely fold, and they actually showed up to play a little hard. State yeah. showed me a little heart. I was happy to see CP3 ball. Um, I'm just happy to see him play and not be hurt because you know that what's been happening has been in the last say six years he always ends up hurt or just not or out there alone. So now this is the clash of the titans, if you will, that everybody wanted to see between the Rockets and the Warriors. The thing that I've maintained in this last three years of Warrior dominance is is that the Golden State Warriors are the sloppiest great team that you've ever seen play. I agree. They are loose with the basketball. Very loose with the ball. They shoot bad shots, and nobody ever checks their chin. And this is what I've always wanted personally. And that's where I felt like LeBron was able to turn it around up, down 3-1, and come back and win, mm-hmm. is that he showed heart, and he showed that there are a couple key plays in every Golden State game where you can take advantage that of that actually determine the outcome of the game. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is I think most of the players are too mentally weak to focus in and, and, and actually forensically dissect that part of the game and recognize that when, when Steph Curry gets cute with the basketball and does a no-look pass that should be a bounce pass and throws the ball away, you cannot come down and miss a three. Now you're playing their game. Everybody, but the Houston Rockets were built to to come down there and shoot threes. And I've seen the Houston Rockets play to sloppy work as well. It just they, they played less sloppy work than <laughs> than the Golden State Warriors did the other night. I will say this, the Golden State Warriors looked mesmerized walking back in the locker room. Clay Thompson uh took that shot and he looked completely confused at the end of regulation. Like what happened? <laughs> I, he looked completely confused when he got the basketball. And and almost ran the clock. Guess out. what's about to happen to the Houston Rockets tonight? They are going to get blown out. <laughs> <laughs> now I you think can put Steve, money on that. I think Steve Kerr is actually a great coach. Oh no question. And I think his guys are prepared to play almost to the point where being as prepared as they are with the level of talent that they have and confidence then puts them in a position where they can loaf. Mm-hmm. What I and I know nobody's going to agree with me on this, but what I think the jury is still out on is is if you make Kevin Durant be the guy. I saw him them make Kevin Durant be the guy the other night, and he wasn't up to the task. It reminded me of watching the Golden State Warriors make Kevin Durant be the guy when they were um, uh, when they were down three one to OKC. Now I, he's got a lot of help now. And, of course, and, and, I disagree because last year he's the one who won them the championship. Last year they won four one. Actually, they, everybody won them that championship. No, Kevin Durant is the one who lit it up. He he, he, he lit, lit LeBron up. He lit LeBron up in one in one instance and and definitely he was the MVP of the series. Uh, Steph Curry's knee was messed up and so Just he like was this year. he was he was the guy and I'm not saying that he wasn't. What I'm saying is can Golden State respond from being studio gangsters and shimmy shakes and all that cute stuff that they like to do. But what do you think Houston is? Houston's a I'm yeah, I have you've never heard me stump for Houston. Ever. Yeah, but, I just but that's who they're playing against I, right I, now though. I get it. I get it. What all I'm saying is is that, that Do you hard, believe in their coach? I do not believe in Mike D'Antoni <laughs> to do anything but put together a razzle dazzle product yeah. that is great for for the for NBA television. for television. It's great. It's not great to win, it's great for television. I will be amazed if they win this series. I don't think that the I don't think that the Houston Rockets could beat anybody in the East. I've watched them play a few games, a couple of games I think against, against, against Boston, and they have problem. May even sweep the Cavs. I think. Oh the no, Houston the Cavs, Rockets. You not, just said anybody in the East. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, let me recant because the Cavs look terrible. And it's cancer. Yeah, 
But I don't think they can beat Boston. But Houston's not going anywhere. Houston's going to be think, on Ozone with I us think, if I they think, feel like it. <laughs> I think you guys Houston come on be, over? I think Houston <laughs> can beat Boston. But I, I think both of the teams beat Boston because I think that – I don't think that the style that they're playing without their stars, it still is a star-driven league. I don't expect them to get any calls if they get to the finals and this, that, and the other. It's a star-driven league. And also, if you can't win on the road, it's not going to work. That's what both of these teams have shown us that's actually good, is that both of these teams have shown us that they can win and lose on the road, Golden State and Houston. But all you need to do is win one game on the road to to, to change the whole trajectory. But of But if the, you've the, won the zero series. games on the road, that one game is a really big all you but need to do But the series is not over. No, no, no. I'm listen. I'm with you. I'm, I'm all the way with you. I mean, I think Golden State's going to win. I wish Golden State would have swept them, but at least we're getting a good series, somewhat. I hate watching blowouts. I hate, I hate taking the time out of my day to watch a game and the game isn't tight. And and again, to me, that just comes from mental weakness from all these guys. You see a lot of guys who just playing and simply aren't focused yeah. for whatever reason that is. This is your job. As much as it's your job to eat well and be in good shape, it's your job to be mentally prepared agree. to play the game. And I see it especially, in professional sports, but especially basketball, guys that are just playing and simply can't wait to get to the after party. Especially when you're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. I want you to be mentally prepared if I call you and we're just going to run at the park. Yeah. I don't, I don't even – I can take the money out of the equation definitely if you're getting paid because you're, being, you're a professional at that point. But I just think people need to focus. And in that, good luck. And it's not happening. It's not happening. Moving on, we're gonna move to the to the boxing matches that took place this weekend. Interesting card from Showbox. Uh, Showtime Boxing had boxing taking place, and one thing that I liked that they did, they mix and match cards mm-hmm. so that there was two fights, and they were from different places. You know, one was taking place in Maryland. You had uh, uh, Joseph Diaz Jr. versus Gary or Gary Russell Jr. versus uh, Diaz Jr. Um, and in Maryland. And then you had Badu Jack fighting uh, Adonis Stevenson mm-hmm. in Toronto. Now, we'll start with the little guys. The little guys had a good fight. Right. Uh, and actually— You preferred that fight, you said, over the Adonis? 100% I preferred that fight. Now, why because, is that? Because that was a situation where there was some interesting strategy that took place. Joe Diaz Jr. was fighting his first for his first belt. This was his first championship fight. And he handled the lights well, in my opinion, because— Gary Russell came out with a display of speed that was remarkable. But he stuck to his game plan in in Joe Diaz in the sense that he let him do all that and he would trade all of that pitter-patter and mm-hmm. and shoe shine and this that, and the other for some devastating body work. I mean, he ripped to the body. My and problem with the body still it's not being respected by the judges and everything like that. I should. think it is. I think it is because there's so many fighters now who are actually incorporating committing. and committing to the body. My problem with the body work is in the era that we're actually only boxing 12 rounds now, the body work is designed to work late in the fight, which it does. But the right. smaller you are, the longer you need to break down the body and then eventually get you out of there mm-hmm. in, in the, later, the latter rounds. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened, it seemed like with Diaz was going into six, he stayed with his, his game plan of him receiving and then going to the body, and it worked. But then he never adjusted – and actually started going up top. Like Cotto did against Floyd, against Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. And, then, and then what ended up happening was Gary Russell Jr., the champion that he is, made adjustments. And turned it up. His dad said, hey, listen, this is what we need to do now. Because there was times when he got hit hard and was staggered and was hurt, in my opinion, some, some of those body shots. He put out a tremendous volume of punches. And, but what he did in the real showing the real heart of a champion is he adjusted. He adjusted his game. In the fight. In the fight. 
and ended up with a, a dominant unanimous decision, in my opinion, because what he did was he. It, there was a point, and I put it up. I thought that through five or six rounds, I thought with that strategy that Diaz had, he was then going to implement phase B of mm-hmm. the strategy, and then would be able to make moves and slow Russell down. Now that he was slowed to make it take an effect, but it didn't. It didn't go down that way. It didn't go down that way, and uh, you know. Gary Russell Jr., the only knock I got on this guy is he doesn't seem too keen on fighting mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that he likes to fight when he's in there, but he fights once a year, maybe every two years. And when they asked him if this fight was going to spur him to be more involved, he said, yeah, yeah, for sure, I want to fight, but you know I have to preserve my body. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious because I don't, I don't understand. You have to self-preservation. <laughs> I guess he's really frugal with his money because he doesn't need to fight all that often. Uh, and that was, you know, that was interesting. That was, I thought it was a good fight. And now the main, it was a co-main event, but the main event that everybody was actually tuning in for, in my opinion, was the Adonis Stevenson-Badu Jack fight. Adonis Stevenson is 40 going on 41, I do believe, and he doesn't fight all that often, which he shouldn't. He's on the verge of wrapping up his career. And he did exactly what the old man is supposed to do. He came out Lasted. early. <laughs> he came out early and gave it his all in five or six rounds, and he was very effective in the early rounds. And he hung on. And then from rounds seven to twelve, he just barely hung on. I think he stole one round in. He between. stole one yeah, round, he stole, and, and that's he all hurt, you needed because he hurt Badu to the body. Right, and Badu got on his horse. He just went into the fetal position, and it's it's very unfortunate because Badu Jack wants or cries like he's getting ripped off. But he, and this is this is where I wanted to go with the fight. If for anybody who didn't see the fight, it's worth watching. The first half of the fight was close, but Stevenson clearly won it. The second half of the fight was all Badu Jack except for one round, and and what ends up happening is is he he wins the twelfth round, and uh, the with a did he knock him down in the twelfth round? No, no, yeah. No. And so the, so then what ends up what ends up happening is that round that he stole actually got him the draw. It turns out to right. be a majority draw, and the problem that I have is is that after the fight, ba, uh, Badu Jack is sitting around running around talking about how. Because cause, uh, they asked him, Jim Gray asked him directly, why do you keep getting all these draws? Well, what do you think? Do you think I won? He said, well, I'm the one asking the questions here. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and, and Badu Jack didn't take any responsibility or accountability for the fact that whether we're watching him against James Gale or this fight, he likes to take off the first half of the fight. And then try to turn it up. And if he can't knock a guy out, then he's a lame duck. Yeah. Because what he, what he had done in that fight, since he took so much work early, he obviously looked fresher. He looked good. Yes, but but he couldn't he couldn't get over the top. You're only fighting twelve rounds. Yeah, I mean, and you let this guy steal one round from you, and he's the champion. I feel like the younger guys got to get these old guys out of there. I agree. You can't mess around. And honestly, they're talking about a rematch, which I don't want to see. I don't either. I think Adonis Stevenson should just retire with his belts. I mean, obviously, if you're Adonis Stevenson and you can get paid again, you would want to do that. Out the door. Out the door. But. I don't need to see that fight again. They're ugly styles. Yeah. At one point, Adonis Stevenson looked like he was 81 years old. Sure did. I mean, and and the, uh, and the one thing I'll give him credit for and love on that is at least we know he's not juicing. Right. Because he looked like how you're supposed to look. He looked like an old man. He looked like an old man. An old fighter. He looked like an old fighter. And and that's how you're supposed to look in that if you've had a career of boxing for this long. Wars and, and, and yeah, things like exactly. that. And, and I don't need to see that fight again. Actually, I probably wouldn't even tune in. But I would like would to like. see. I might. I might. Yeah, I you might, you might dip, you, you would dip it, your toe in it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'd I'd like to see Adonis retire. Um, I would like to see Badu Jack start actually committing to twelve rounds of boxing. Good luck. 
we have a few fighters out there, and I don't even like to mention one of their names on the show anymore, but they do the same thing. They will not will not commit to fighting early, and they feel like they can turn it up later later on in the fight. But one of the problems is with that is that you really they it looks like they have the confidence that they can put a guy out, and they really haven't put in the work to put a guy out. Yeah, you have to commit to knocking people out. And, and they don't want to do that. Because I mean, these so, guys have committed. So right. I, I so are you going to bank rounds? Are you going to try to put right. this guy out? What are you going to do? But you can't. what you can't do is to keep sitting there and giving up five or six rounds and then say, oh, I, I don't know why this happened. This is Floyd. This is, a, you know, this is something. Oh, yeah. Then he had the nerve to try to say that it was against that. Maybe it was a, maybe it's because the people hate Floyd. And Man, actually, Floyd? this is one yeah. time. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Floyd Mayweather. And what else I'll say is for the majority of his 50 fights, I would say for 45 of his 50 fights, Floyd Mayweather was the clear winner, right? if not 47 of them, 48 right. of them. He was the clear winner that fought, and then he might have ran, but he was still the clear winner yeah. of the fight. Now, this just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. And I don't, I, and I don't think it's a good idea. You know, I think, that, uh, I think that it's stalling his career. It's stalling his growth as a, as a boxer and as a draw. Mm-hmm. I don't just, I don't see what it is that he, I don't see why or who continues to encourage him to box in this style. So do you think that he should go down and wait? I, maybe he can stay, maybe, and you know, it wasn't that he got hurt except for the, with the body shot. It's not that he can't take the punches. Except for the body shot, that's enough. The way that, that was he, in the 10th round. I know, but the way, and, and Adonis didn't have anything on his punches Nothing, at that point. No, no steam. I mean, but, but but he's a he's a more one sixty eight guy. But I think that the bigger fights, the bigger money is is up, and that's course. why he's yeah. doing that. I think that's what's going to happen is is that that Eastern European kid, that good looking Eastern European guy, is going to mm-hmm. end up fighting uh, an Adonis Stevenson and getting him out of there and getting his belt. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and that's what he's supposed to do. And, and that kid's a little mean too. He, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, want to move into Major League Baseball, folks? Uh, we got another juicer. We got have him. another <laughs> juicer. It will never stop. And as long as they're paying people, there will be juice. Well, the, the you know what? The juice literally is worth the squeeze. There's just no way that you can uh there's no way that you can say that it's not worth it. There's right. no way. Whether we're talking about Robinson Cano and his two hundred and twenty eight million reasons that he needed to juice, I, because honestly, He's going to get $12 million docked in pay, but the rest of his money is guaranteed and has been guaranteed, and, right. he, and, and who knows how long he's been juicing. Now we caught the White Sox Wellington Castillo. Beef Wellington Castillo. They got him, and he's out for 80 games. But but, but just think, Wellington Castillo is hanging on by a thread probably right now. And yeah. So, so why wouldn't he take a chance and, and hit the juice real quick? Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's an incentive for that. I there's 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 definitely an incentive, there, and there's definitely a selfish side of doing that as well. Because you, if you look at Bartolo Colon, he is history's greatest juicer, in my opinion. Yes. at least history's greatest juicer that got caught. Yeah, because he was a super dominant pitcher. Naturally, you assume. Right. Then he he uh, he went through a phase where he lost his power and he had to learn how to pitch. His arm uh, kind of died on him. And he went to the juice, didn't try masking agents and just any other. I think he actually got <laughs> popped for growth hormone and testosterone. He didn't get popped for, he probably for tested Clint Guterall or all or all or all. He took his punishment, and he's come back, and now Bartolo is 50 years old, still dealing on Today's everybody. Today's his birthday, right? Is it? Yeah. And, ah. they, and they're loving it, too. And, you know, the fans love it. Yeah. And all is forgiven. Although some guy in the minor leagues that can't get up is not really feeling it he, like he, that. And he shouldn't. <laughs> and he shouldn't. And he shouldn't. Just like... Nobody should feel Alex Rodriguez calling games and, yeah. and sitting in there 
talking about uh, you know uh, some sort of batting practice idea with these guys. I it, it's all really disturbing to me. Um, but you can argue that the game is trying to weed out the cheaters, and they're doing the best that they possibly can. You know, it's just like the criminals are always a step ahead of law enforcement. Right. And the same thing goes when it comes to these juicers. It is what it is, and all they can do is to continue to try. Um, Mike Trout has hit a bomb at <laughs> 15, uh, 15th of the year in a route that just ended up in Toronto. I'd like to talk about some of the teams. What do you think is happening? I personally feel like the Los Angeles Dodgers have turned to beat around. And I think they're going to get yeah, Clayton Kershaw so back soon. And I think the summer's going to get real hot, and the Dodgers are going to go on one of those runs that they've gone on for the last two seasons where they go, you know, 50 and 11 or something crazy, you know, 40 and, and 15. And I think they're going to be right back in the thick of it. Um, and I watched the game where I felt like it happened. And it was when Justin Turner, it was like his third game back, second or third game back down there against Miami. They had dropped five of six against the two worst teams in baseball in Miami and Cincinnati Reds. And there was a situation where there was bases drunk. It was a two-strike count, and Justin Turner stayed back on the ball and went down the line and cleared the sacks, to which Matt Kemp came up behind him and got him in. And you could see, uh uh-oh, this could be them boys clicking because Yasiel Puig is actually having a year. He's hitting the ball well. I wanted to speak to your point, though, of the Dodgers getting caught up of that that duct tape uh, mentality finally catching up with them, the duct tape and Mm bubblegum mentality. Well, you know, the duct tape, they can't keep surviving by patch playing players. Players like to know where they're playing, where, where, where they are in the lineup. It's not like a situation where you can – it's fun on a Sunday league. So, okay, I'm in the outfield, so now I can go play shortstop or something like that. But on a day-to-day basis, these guys need to know where they're penciled in in the lineup, and also they need to know where they're playing. It's a different state of mind for every position that you're going to play. You have to prepare for the game in a different kind of way. You have to – you know, you're talking about taking fly balls or ground balls. You're talking about if you're batting in the three-hole or the six-hole. It's a, it's a big difference, and it seems right. like Dave Roberts has made it – he's made it work – this year he had to do it by more of a necessity. Yeah. I feel like it. But it eventually catches up with you, and it, this is what happened with the Dodgers this year. I think that the only saving grace that they've had so far is that nobody ran away with the division. Yeah. and I feel Arizona like, has fallen apart. Yeah. A.J. Pollock got hurt, now Arizona's falling apart. Colorado's there, but they're not but really. Not. The Giants aren't serious. I believe that the Giants are serious, though, because what the Giants have done, I'm looking up the, the standings right now, but the Giants have done is that they've hung around. Yeah. And Madison Bumgarner's getting ready to come back. And then Johnny Cueto will be back in a little bit after that. And Bruce Bochy is a great coach. He's a great coach. And so you're going to have a problem with them if they can get their rotation together because they're not going anywhere. Huh. The Dodgers, nobody ran away with the division. So the Giants, as we speak right now, are 24 and 26. And the Dodgers are 22 and 27. So we're talking about the Dodgers, but the Giants are actually ahead of the Dodgers. Yeah, for sure. And for they, sure. they don't have any of their front line pitchers as well. Yeah. And I don't Chris believe. Chris pitching well. Yeah, and I don't believe in Rich Hill. No. Or do you believe in his blister? <laughs> I do believe in that. <laughs> I, had to I get told a- <laughs> someone the other day that they paid Rich Hill $1 million and they played his blister $49 million because Rich Hill <laughs> has, he, he, I mean, the guy never pitches, he never plays. What kind of blister does he have? Oh, man. This is one I never want to run into. Man, are you <laughs> this kidding? Is, this is the most debilitating thing in the world, this blister. This blister bleeds all over the stadium. I mean, when you come into the parking lot, you have to bring you. I mean, it's all over the place, dude. Wow. It's like a crime scene. Wow. CSI. Uh, yeah, and you know what? And there's some other teams that I think are going to start to fade faster than others. I think the Brewers are going to start to fade. 
Um, Do you? Yeah. I, I like I like the Brewers. I I feel like one of the things that's going to eventually catch up with them, like I had spoke about before, they make too many errors. Yeah, but, I but, don't think they play good baseball. Yeah, they play, but they they're relying on their offense right now. They got Jesus Aguilar to swing in the stick. You got Hernan Perez. And then you've upgraded with Lorenzo Cain. They, they have defense. They should have defense, but they're not playing up to the you know up to code. You have Ryan Braun that can't stay healthy either. But they're still winning without him in the lineup. Yeah. I think that I think that there was a mental tax that went on him uh, from being a uh, from being caught in the scandal with the steroids and this, that, and mm-hmm. the other. I think there was a mental thing that that has slowed his game down, if not an actual physical component. And I think the losing hurts because Braun's a big time ball player. You're looking at Eugenio Suarez just it launched a grand slam, and Joey Votto's having a terrible season. And I actually think Joey Votto may be the most talented hitter, just mm-hmm. hitter in baseball. But the problem is, is that he's been a loser now for a decade. And now it seems like he's starting to wake up and said, "You know what? I've been going along with this for long enough. Yeah, I need to go somewhere and win." Yeah. And it, and winning changes your whole attitude changes about your life. Yeah, and you're talking about being in a losing environment and them accept, accepting losing. And they've been speaking about rebuilding that organization for about 15 years. And that seems like what they keep selling him on. Uh-huh, and he signed up for it long term. And I think he gave him a discount, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he didn't get he didn't break the bank like he could have. Yeah. He got paid. Uh, he, he got didn't paid, but he didn't break the bank. And so now he's somebody who's paying for it. I honestly feel like he should go to New York and play for the Yankees or the Mets. I think the Mets are the, the Mets are are almost as surprising as the Atlanta Braves, in my opinion. The Mets are are playing well. I don't think it'll maintain, but he's they're playing well. The Mets are in fourth place, twenty four and twenty one. I feel like the Braves will maintain. The, it, I mean, it's, uh, the only issue I can see is if those young kids, the arms, the pitchers, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be good for them to make a big move. It would be good for them to get a front line pitcher. I really think that they should trade someone for a frontline pitcher. For a veteran frontline pitcher. A veteran front like I like There's how Kansas City did with uh Johnny Cueto when they, the year they won it. Who's out there right now that's that's really, you know, that you can I don't, I'm not a GM. I don't know, but yeah. I, if I was a GM, I'd have to make some moves. But they have a lot of talent in the in the far on the farm, you know, to give up. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously. I think that they can be around for a long time. They can hang around and they can even if they don't make it, they'll upset one of these big guns. I mean, they have a uh, Sean Newcomb, a nice left-handed arm. Uh, Gohara, the knife le- uh, nice lefty. I mean, if we can get consistency from how do you pronounce it, your boy's name, Foldenwitz? Yeah, I don't know. I call him Foldenwitz, but I don't. They don't say that when they when he. Yeah, I know. Every time I hear, yeah, they say something else. Something Foldenwitz or yeah, something. Like Foldenwitz. I think. Yeah, but they need consistency. I mean, you have a you have your guy that was on the Dodgers last year, Brandon McCarthy, that I don't believe in. No, but but uh, but he's, and Julio Tehran is not a, is not up to code. I, he's been pitching well lately, but I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I think that uh, you know everybody was talking about Didi Gregorius because I was telling people earlier in the year that he was the best player in baseball in the month of April, and now baseball has happened, which means that the averages average out, and he went one for forty five or something like that. But guess what? He hit a bomb yesterday, and he's going to start swinging it again, and he'll be DD again. And at the end of the year, guys do their numbers. If you don't hear anything else from us, know that that's true. This guy's going to have probably like 22 to 25 bombs. I think he might even touch 30. He 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 got out. Yeah, he got out. He might dip his toe in 30, brother. (laughs) I I mean, you can never fault DD Gregorius. He carried them the first couple of weeks of the season. How are you going to hate on Didi? No. And when everybody else was trying to get themselves together. Right. And you look at uh, the catcher over there, he still hasn't got himself together. Gary Sanchez? Yeah. I wonder, what is, what is Gary Sanchez's batting average? Gary Sanchez is a home run hitting machine, but average-wise, 
that's as far as he's going. Let's look at your boy, old Gary. <laughs> Let's see. Had him on my fantasy squad, and I dropped him because they brought him up, and then they sent him back down, and I played too much. So basically, <laughs> he's batting two twenty eight with 12 bombs. It's not enough. It's not enough. And everybody consistently talks about him, and people consistently talk about Bryce Harper being one of the best players in the game. Bryce Harper's average is in the low 200s, which is unacceptable as yeah, well. But Bryce Harper's average is going to come up. I don't know if Gary Sanchez's average is going to come up. I think Gary Sanchez will end up hitting in the 260s, low 270s. Do you? I don't, but, I don't but, think he will. But uh, Bryce, I'd be amazed if he has another. If You know how hot he's going to have to be that two months into the season to get to the 300? We saw Derek G to do it. We've seen a lot on, of guys man. do you that. Haven't seen, I, you haven't Not a lot, you, but we've seen, on, we've seen some you're, solid guys. He's five, got, five times. Damn, you're talking about the cap. You, yeah, we just, talk about the cap, but I'm saying that there, it, it is possible with the elite talent to do that. Yeah, well, we're going to see. Lace him up. And Bryce is one of them, especially since he's trying to get his cheese. He needs to get his bread, and this, that means it's time to start swinging it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we got for you on the Ozone. You got anything else to add? That's it. That's it. We'll leave you with another African proverb. And it is... You do not teach the paths of the forest to an old gorilla. Live together, folks. We're here. We're all in it together. Once again, we have to look out for one another. And you know what? Or we don't. We actually don't have to look out for one another, and we can all fall apart. I suggest that we do because unity trumps division every day of the week. This is the Ozone. Ozone. I'm just living the dream. I'm in love with the lights. This is not just a game.